Welcome to the Double Bill Podcast. I am your host for this evening, Joshua Humphrey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Watson-Jones. Are you, to... you just said my name. I have nowhere to go now. Yeah, you, you're supposed to say, hello, my name is Brian Watson-Jones. You know, acknowledging that you're present. Hi, Radio Land. And Mikey Postle. Hello, I am Mikey Postle, the forger. And also the spice that binds us together. The spice that binds yes, us together. Yes, that's right. I was the spice between man and woman. You are. And you're turmeric. Uh, alternately, I am Brian... Watson-Jones. And as I said, this is Double Bill. Double Bill, Double Bill. Comparing culture, it's Double Bill. Putting two things together, it's Double Bill. It's Double Bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns. Record scratch! Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. We are here tonight to talk about uh, my double bill, which mm-hmm. is uh, Paprika and Inception. 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 It was a long couple of movies. It was a long couple of movies. Goddamn. And uh, I picked these two movies because I felt uh, since my last pick that I owed the audience something. For Escape from Tomorrow, which... What? Uh, Why? Uh, you are so hung up on that I movie. am. I am hung up on it. I can't get away from it. It's Seriously, everywhere. It's been months since we've seen it. It's that. like a dark specter haunting my no, life. No, mm-hmm. just for, for, for perspective, we watched that dirty, 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 naughty movie, which is a terrible movie, but then... Are you talking we, about Escape from Tomorrow? Yeah. But then we watched the, uh, the double bill of it, which was Saving Mr. Banks... Mm-hmm. Which I'd like to say was a very sweet movie. Yeah. Although it had, again, some of our own trials and tribulations. You guys had a burning theater to deal <laughs> oh, yeah, with. That was fun. That burning was dumpster, fun. burning dumpster. And I remember when uh, when Rach and I went and saw it uh, at Willow Lane, of all places, in Plymouth. And we had to, like, park way... They're like, oh, all this parking spaces are, like, filled with like, snow banks. <laughs> And we went. We had like crawl. Well, that just nails down how long it's been. There were snow banks. Yeah. So it's, it's been, been snow since. It's, so it's been snow since my last pick. Yeah. Right. Since your pick. But now you're. But it still haunts you. See, well, I, I wanted to pick something that I knew was good. That I knew that I that I would at least enjoy. Sure. On some level. And so a I movie picked these that two leave us driving. Well, Escape from Tomorrow. When I picked it, was like sort of like I'd never seen it, so right. I like I didn't know anything about it, like going into it. So it was sort of like a blind pick, right? And that blind pick, I feel like, shot me in the head. Well, it was like going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Only they turn off the water when you're halfway. Only down. I did. So only I didn't really know I was going over rocks. Niagara Falls. Yeah. And this could be fun. Just like, know, oh no, rocks. Thud, 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 we, thud, thud. We even had to, We, I mean, it's like, if you watch a movie that you, like a horror movie where you're like, this is going to be a bad movie. You're like, oh, terrible, terrible. But this one mm-hmm. you're watching going, this is terrible. And it's just terrible. There's no... There's you can't no, even be ironic about there's it. There's no elevated moment. There's no like, wow, they actually, I mean, even the whole ballsy thing of like, I am filming this with my camera, sneakily... And you're like, okay. And I was hoping that would sell the movie for us. No. Because, we, you know, we had the whole brand movie for Saving Mr. Banks, and then we had something that was off-brand. Yeah. 
didn't didn't well work. it didn't help that it was halfway through the movie before it it mentioned anything that couldn't have been Six Flags. I mean, they, they didn't get the Disney hooks in there. Until oh yeah, they definitely could well have just filmed it. it at like any kind of amusement park. They could have filmed it at Valley Fair. Yeah. It'll be fine. Now, anyway, uh, as a double build on the future, we could do that one with Westworld. I think it would be an interesting one because neither of you have seen the movie Westworld with Yul Brenner. Um, now I've read the book, James Roland. Um, about you know, I'm, I, I'm more for Yul Brenner on this podcast, and also they're, uh, but yeah, well, and then they're they're remaking these movies, I guess. Originally, they were yeah, gonna, I heard Westworld was being remade. Yeah, they were originally going to be remake it with Schwarzenegger, but mm. um, I guess now it's going to be a sci-fi movie with Anthony Hopkins just signed himself on to be like the the lead android scientist. Well, isn't Westworld a sci-fi movie in the first place? Oh, yeah, I mean the yeah. robots. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, the robots, but. The, the whole thing is, like, I'm thinking about, like, the white epicenter uh, in Escape from Tomorrow and the robot woman with the boobs and the face and the melting and the boo boop doo and the squirt guns. And I think we've wasted far too much time talking about a movie that gives us much, much anxiety. And you know, I will make this, this is... promise to you and the audience out there is that the next time my pick comes up, we will not talk about this movie at all, Escape from Tomorrow. It will not be mentioned. It time be our, will you know, tell. You know, it should be, here's the thing. Maybe it should be our pejorative. I mean, we've talked about me cussing a bit, okay? And we need to cut that out. Bleep! But instead of bleeping it out... But I'm like, too lazy to go actually... Holy Moses, Escape from Tomorrow Bleep, 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 bleep! What? That movie was so Escape from tomorrow terrible, I can't even escape from tomorrow. That made me lose my escape from tomorrow. Well, We're we actually, like, in terms verbs. of, like... Well, in terms of, like, a film, like, Jumps the Shark, though, we'd now call it a cat fluing. Like, just between me, Tess, and Phil, my roommates. Oh, <laughs> Like if it's if it sort of just like goes off the deep end, we just cat food. It cat food itself. What say you, Matusala? The cat on the end of the table. The cat me. that the audience can't see. It looks outside. This says, is good radio. You are you are more cuddly about. Let's that. bring this back. Yeah. Let's talk so, about paprika. And let's, let's talk about the actual. And we'll talk we about paprika time. first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, paprika, I saw initially probably within a year of when it came out. Uh, mm. I was living in Japan in uh, 2000 from 2005 to 2008. I didn't actually see it in Japan. I came back to the states. It was on a DVD uh, rack at a little gas station near where my mother lived. I was like, I want to see that movie because I'd seen like previews of it. Grabbed it, took it home, and was like, I don't understand this movie at all. <laughs> what city? Uh, this was in uh, Breezy Point, Minnesota. It's not exactly the movie you kind of find. Not exactly you'd expect to be on a oh, yeah, rack. That's not a gas actually. station movie for... But they had it. They mm-hmm. had it. It was sitting there. Weird. <clears throat> and I took it home and I watched it and I was like, I don't really understand this movie. Uh, but it's all about dreaming. And I thought it would be a good pick with Inception, which is also about dreaming. Uh, as I've gone through like the last couple months, as I've kind of thought about this pairing, like it's become apparent to me that like Satoshi Khan, who directed Paprika and also did uh, a few other movies that I enjoyed, uh, Millennium Actress, which is very much sort of like Holy Motors in terms of if I was to pair it with anything that we've done. I don't know. Is, is that a yawn, or are you reacting? Uh, it was trying to be a silent yawn. Okay. Just to, I, was, I was making sure. I was being I was subtle for sure. the audience, and so perfect the audience blue, wouldn't get tired. Perfect but. Blue is like a psychological slasher movie, which is really good, like that he did a few years previous to this. Which live action? Also, I'm sorry, live action? No, no, no. It's, a, it's an animated film. An anime slasher? Oh, yeah. It's really... A thoughtful it, anime oh, slasher? Oh, yeah. It's really fantastic. And hmm. it's like it's the same sort of cutting that he does, like no. in terms of like it's like reality bending and it's sort of like, you know, moving through scenes, but also like intercutting through them. Now, the audience can't see this, but I, I get... 
I get But that. Mikey is naked. I am bare ass. No, but the but you you have a bent towards that, right? Towards anime and manga. Well, like, it seems you, like that. Well, yes. you spent time there. So I spent time. You there. spent time That's actually immersed in culture. I wouldn't say I'm any kind of anime expert, but sure. definitely like in terms of like I don't I I I like animation just for animation's sake. It doesn't have to be anime. Like uh, most of the media I consume like tends to be like uh, animated in general. Like I've just been watching like um, the Legend of Korra. Yeah, mm. uh, which recently still got seen. a couple of, I mean, their season was just pulled, yeah. recent, very recently. Well, it's just going online, apparently, and sure. they're going to renew it for a fourth season anyway. I don't know what their like logic is, but anyway, uh, so I've been watching that. I, I, I enjoy Adventure Time and like other Cartoon Network shows. Uh, I just, I like animation. I've always liked animation, uh, just because I think it has, there's a lot more... There's a lot more freedom to it that I think directors have. And I, have we watched any animation besides La Luna? No, nope. I think La Luna was the big one. Yeah, I think that's the, but that was my pick too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like yeah. animation, uh, and I've always liked animation. I don't know why per se. I think my <laughs> my mother is always like, why do you like, why do you like watching cartoons like so much? Uh, there's just a lot of, I think there's a lot of freedom to it. So it's just mm-hmm. like. And I think Satoshi Khan, who directed this, is like uh, like the epitome of that. Like he is a very thoughtful director, or was anyway. He's, and I, he he died a few years ago. I appreciate oh I appreciate the fact that you you have an eye towards that because in terms of double, in terms of double bill, it gives us uh, just a, as much as you having your uncanny, uncanny valley version of you know mannequin mm-hmm. and Doctor Who. Uh, and I'm just I have like this rando bullshit sort of like I'm gonna do double bill of Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Well, of course, but that that just lends itself to having a little bit more range yeah. because my my cartoon stuff is is fairly like very surface. I mean, I can tell you about like the Paul Dini shit and mm-hmm. you know like the Justice mm-hmm. League stuff. Uh, I can I can I can double back and talk to you about like Spider Man's Amazing Friends and Space Ghost and Thunder the Barbarian stuff that I that really formed my my worldview when I was a kid. But when you start talking about like we're gonna watch Paprika, I know about Paprika, but I've never seen Paprika. And and when I was like, well, what the fuck is this about? And you're going, you're like, well, we kind of have to watch it and see. And it's about dreams, okay. And boy, is it ever about dreams. And that's when you were like, dream or cartoons have a way of like, kind of like bending the reality of. A- well, there's so, there's so much control that you can exert, like in any kind of like medium that uh, where you're actually physically constructing whatever the audience right. is seeing. And it's just as easy to do a gigantic robot as it is to like do you can, uh, you can, a bus. You can time so. how many like frames that the audience is actually seeing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can time it out. Yeah, you have complete control over what uh, ends up And you, you can like, uh, you can talk about like, uh, I watched this uh, video, uh, Every Frame is a Painting, not very long ago, well, before this was filmed, and it's just like, you know, it's ta- it talks about how everything is cut together in a Satoshi Kon film, like Paprika. It's just like, you know, there's a shot, like, at the front of it where... Like she, they're like you're looking at somebody's t-shirt, and like suddenly the frame becomes a t-shirt, and she's right. just standing there, and it's like, what? What do you even call a cut like that? It's, it's, it's. You mm-hmm. can't. You don't see that in any life, like kind of live action film, and you won't see that. I, I think most of the shots that you see in Paprika, beyond like saying of kind of like standard expository stuff. Uh, they're very unique in terms of like the composition of the shots. Uh, clearly, I feel like I was the most challenged of the group. 
my natural propensity for being distracted notwithstanding. If you could just describe, like, the plot. So, uh, so in terms of, like, pep- like, I think the plot is almost impossible to, like, kind of comprehend, like, on a first viewing, like, sure. wholly. Like, uh, <coughs> the whole story centers around, like, um, a piece of technology that's been developed. This is the DC Mini, which allows people to go into other people's dreams. And Paprika is sort of the avatar of Atsuka, I think, I think is her name. Achan. Yeah, something. Achan. Achan. And uh, she, like, uh, functions as sort of like a dream psychologist or a dream therapist. And she's talking at the beginning when the film opens with uh, she's trying to help some uh, a cop work through his kind of issues that he's having. Uh, and he's a character that extends throughout the whole film. But, like, uh, the DC Mini, uh, this technology to enter into dreams, gets into the hands of people who want to abuse it. And they st- and what that sort of kicks off is a chain reaction in terms of dreams start merging together mm-hmm. uh, with other dreams, and it sort of uh, causes this sort of amalgamation that sort of infects everybody. Uh, everybody who's those who are like connected via the DC Mini, and those who have like had no contact with it at all, yeah. it's just sort of like the dream world and the real world just start to merge together. Yeah, what it reminded me of is this um, story of the Jungian shared subconscious, which I've seen happen occasionally in supernatural stories, where all of humanity is infected by something because there's this undercurrent of mental energy that extends to all human beings. It infects into something like that, although it's not named in the film. Cool. And, of course, my natural parallel being the... Under- you talked about it earlier. It was dreamscaped. Well, well, well I mean, I'll, I want to get into that in a second. But it's also that sound, the way you, the way you describe it. It's very Matrix 3. It's very Matrix Revolutions where the dream world is infecting the waking world, you know? And it, take, it, took, <coughs> it took me personally a minute to, like, ascertain. I'm like, oh, there's this fucking weird parade with, like... The wobbly refrigerator that's got, mm. like, the accordion in it. The and, mm-hmm. refrigerator in the mailbox leading yes, the way. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the frogs with the flutes. And the frogs with yeah, the flutes. And the, 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 the happy cat statues. And the, and, and, the, the, and the samurais with no and the arms. Emperor. And the emperor. Oh, and, 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 and what are they just, called? Those those red poles that outline the, the be- beginning of gates to Oh, yeah. They're like shrines. The shrines. Yeah, the shrines. Yeah, the shrines. The shrines the, a marching line of them. And, I mean, it just, it felt very much like the the infection. It's like, well, this is very, I can't even blame, you know, the Wachowskis for it because it's like, well, it's here too. It's a, obviously it's a recurring theme, mm-hmm. but it's it's the dream being infecting the, the, the fantasy, infecting the real world. So, uh, it took me, it took me a minute to, like, really glom, especially with the first, I'm like, oh, this this feels like dreamscape, so, um, no, I'm sorry, please continue, and then I'll do, I'll draw my shopping. I'm not sure where you want me to continue from. No, I mean, is that, the, I mean, what happens? What happens? What happens? Yeah. Well, I don't want to really, like... Yeah, how much more plot do you want Like, to how much into? more plot do you yeah. want to get into, like, in terms of this, Well, you like, spoiled Johnny Dangerously. I did? <laughs> What's the spoil in Johnny Dangerous? There are people out there who have not seen Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> But, like, uh, the whole mystery becomes in this is, like, who stole the DC Mini? Uh, who's actually behind, like, this co- sort of uh, fabrication of the dreamscape and this kind of merging of reality? And I guess it's sort of obvious if you kind of, like, pay attention, but, like... Well, it's, it's also re- got that murder mystery thing of, okay, which yeah. character has had more than four lines and hasn't been accused yet? Because it's probably that one. Sure, and what I like about this film, too, is, like, you know, it doesn't... 
I think Inception does this too. It's like it allows the audience to fill in blanks. Like I mean, it'll it'll reference things that aren't initially aren't like immediately expounded upon. Uh, Exception has a lot of exposition actually in it. That but <laughs> we can go into that. But this this movie and I this movie and what I think keeps it at an hour and a half because it's not very long mm-hmm. is it is it expects the audience to do some like mental work and is comfortable with like there being like little mysteries that you fill in along the way. Does it, or it just is? Is it just presenting itself, and you? This is what we're doing. There's yeah. no expectation. Like this is how our movie is being presented. Because yeah, I think that's how it is. Because like, in terms I, of like how it's going. Yeah, I don't I, know how I was expressing myself, but I think that's it. Just it presents itself in a certain way where uh, it just expects you to follow along with it, and it's fine with that. I felt dumb. I felt dumb asking questions. I felt dumb, like saying like, wait, wait who? This, no, this guy's alive, right? Is this guy dead? Uh, uh, is this guy Charles Xavier? You know, like, ba 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 And most But the last time he wasn't Charles Xavier. Hello. He wasn't. Welcome, Logan, to... This is my school of special students. Um, I immediately drew the parallels to... Uh, I, I've been... I've been I, I threw these... Before I went to Bemidji, I threw these at Josh. Um, the movie Dreamscape came to my mind because uh and the cell which we've previously watched um together did we all watch that no, together? no no we, we watched, watched the, the fall watched the fall Char- we, yeah, the fall. we, we but, haven't paired the cell with okay anything. so uh, i don't know what you want to pair the cell with fuck we could pair it with this we could pair it with dreamscape oh. uh dreamscape came out in 1984 and it's a vehicle movie when all these fantasies came out it had dennis quaid kate capshaw it had max von Sydow, and um, the guy, the, the the actor, I'm sorry, the one that's a Warriors, come out and play. He's been in a ton of shit. Uh, David Patrick Kelly, mm-hmm. that's him, um, as the bad guy. And it was about uh, psychology research into people who could project their minds into your waking dreams. And they were and they were psychics. You know, basically it was a psychic movie. Like, does it have any kind of, like, relation to, like, scanners? Is it sort of, like, that tone of a movie? No, and then it, it kind of, kind of, but it, it, and more in the sense of this movie where people are, like, monitoring the dreams and seeing on their, on their and back in 84, their massive, like, DOS computers, you know, uh, what's going on, like, as a play-by-play mm-hmm. in the brains. And they have little brain clips... Just like they had Paprika. Well, yeah, the DC Mini sort of like wraps around your head a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in, in terms of the cell, they had uh, all these people under blankets who were in comas and running around saying weird things who were controlled by the people who were in the dream world, controlling waking people, and they were saying things that were nonsensical, like, you know, the pickles cut open the coupons on Sunday, but only go to Cub and not Whole Foods. So, if that doesn't make sense, that's a portion of the lines in Paprika. I'm not even kidding. That's kind of the dialogue that goes on. Period. Well, they have yeah. certain like whole sequences where like s- characters just start to flip out, and they have like nonsensical soliloquies. Yep. That, that first one was so much fun. That first one, <laughs> I thought it was some sort of because you're just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I'm like, even oh, the yeah. even the paper I'm a lord of Oceana. <laughs> Only the paper dolls would dance for the emperor, but he did not acknowledge three percent of the penguins that were on route from 
from the northern you're desert. Re- re- that's what's so great about that soliloquy is that it almost seems like, oh, yeah, he's, he's he's talking about something. I should right. be listening. Starts, I should be feels, paying attention. When it starts, it feels like he's referencing the Japanese version of Cinderella or something where it's just a f- shared folklore where they don't need to explain the in-between steps. And then it just goes farther. And Derails. Yeah. Starts being percentages of things you don't divide. We're like, wait, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm hard listening. Because you're trying to make sense of it like right, right mm-hmm. away. Uh, and it's not working. Right. So I guess that's, I mean, mostly my, my experience watching the movie was just seeing that there are parallels to movies like Dreamscape and The Cell, which had both have to do with like dreams becoming either reality or penetrating and entering a person's dreams. And then moreover, having an avatar within the dreams, not uh, eventually being so good at doing it that you don't require the mechanics of getting in the dreams and being so good at it that you become bigger than what's in there and freeing people and and killing people and yeah it's, it was great it was it, I mean I enjoyed the hell out of it but and the like admittedly like the connection between Paprika and Atsuka if that's her name I can't remember uh, like why she has this avatar why no one else has this avatar like their own kind of avatar why right. it's sort of like distinct is never really explained like well, maybe she's just adept at it or maybe she draws she... an interesting parallel between the dreamscape and the internet so it, it felt to me like her avatar was very much like I've made a conscious choice I'm creating an idealized version of who I'd want that to might be, be it. and yes. that's who I'm going to present because I have the option here I don't have to be me in these shoes I can be mm-hmm. and manic over, pixie dream girl right and you kept saying that but I'm like we're watching animation now. We're watching Japanese animation, which is already a stylized version of animation that Western audiences acknowledge of itself. And so now we have the the woman who can project herself into the dreams, uh, oh, oh, you know, tacos, and then you've got you know, paprika. But paprika represents more of like what you've been, ha ha ha, like Sailor Moon characters versus the character that mm-hmm. who the artist who presented her, which was fairly kind of. Down the line, straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, character of a of a was she a cop? Was she a psychologist? She was, was a doc. She, she was like one of the doctors. A researcher. Yeah, she, she was a researcher. She, yeah, not the technology side, but the psychology side. So yeah. it's interesting that she didn't project herself into the dream world slash dream into the waking world, dream world avatar uh, as herself, but like a hyper stylized version. She did it as Paprika, as the as the manga anime kind of version of herself, which mm-hmm. I thought was. Kind of an interesting choice, mm-hmm. you know. Like it's like, and then after you guys helped me understand that it was, like, what? Who? Or is she? The I same? guess we have some other doubles. Like, I mean, Tokita. Uh, he has like his like mechanized body. Yes. Kind mm-hmm. of like Avatar. I don't know if that was a conscious choice that he had. Um, Himura, like the like the sort of pseudo villain at the beginning. Like you know, he had his like his um, doll. I guess if you right. could call that an Avatar. Not a choice I would make really, in terms of, like, what I would represent myself as in the dream world. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are the only two other characters that I can think of off the top of my head that well, has some sort of representation, like, in the dream world that was kind of unique to them. The J. Jonah Jameson cop, I think, vacillated also. He went from being... Well, he went, sort of, yeah. That seemed to, like, reflect his psyche. Yeah, he was going on yeah. psychological and levels. That's it wasn't of, really a single avatar. Right, it and was, that's why I'm like, well, maybe it's it's her. Like, she's... I mean, everybody, when you go into your dreams, you have that option mm-hmm. of being various people, you know? Um, the Charles Xavier can stand up, but when he stands up, he's got, like, squiddy-last legs that, like, you know, do tentacle porn. No. Not well, and then, like, the... 
Osanai and him, the Osanai was the the sexy guy that mm-hmm. was uh, Himura had like a crush on and like kind yeah, of they, like paid him at, to like do some assistant. stuff. Yeah, that's one of my the only sour notes like I have in this is sort of like Osanai's reaction. Yeah, there was some weird yeah. homophobic. Yeah, stuff. it was weird weird homophobia. And, and what there. what's his name? Because Osanai is became... just like, oh my god, don't talk about that. Oh, I had such a horrible. Uh, it was just it was strange. And, and what's his name? The pseudo villain from the beginning who turned into the doll. There was gay porn. Yeah, there's gay porn. So, oh, well, that explains it. And I guess that's sort of, like, maybe an outgrowth, like, of Japanese culture. Like, just them and, like, their own, like, kind of, like, uh, internalized homophobia, I guess you could say. Sure. But mm-hmm. uh, it was sort of, like, it was a little bit alarmist, like, in terms of, like, ooh, gay, it's a little bit risque. We don't talk about that. You give a gay person power, and he'll get into your dreams and drive you crazy. And you will, will have a chariot covered in dolls. He will be all dolls. the dolls. And that character was like the creepiest you could make that character. Right. Basically. And there was, I mean, it wasn't like they like pumped the brakes on things. I mean, they pumped the brakes on the overt dirty sexual stuff, but there was still a lot of like crawling into bodies crawling into body orifices. Well, you know that whole sequence toward the end where Osanai has paprika, like, you know, yeah. pinned to the board. Pinned like a moth. Like a, like a butterfly. Like a butterfly, yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, he goes, like, you know, he touches her crotch and, like, rips her open. It's just, yeah. like, it's very sexual. Well, he's tearing open her chrysalis, but he's doing it along her sexual yeah, organ it's just, line. it's just and, like, woof. Yeah. Woof. Because it's, it's very charged. It's weird, and then uh, and then it's weird, and then uh, again, just mm-hmm. depending on where his hand was digging. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not uncomfortable with nudity in cartoons. It happens. God, have you guys seen Heavy Metal? I've never seen Heavy Metal. No. Uh, I have seen nudity in cartoons, though. Uh, I imagine it's similar. Click, 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 click. No, but I mean, it's just like nudity usually. Happens. I have seen the South Park episode parodying, parodying heavy metal. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man, that's weird. So I really like Paprika. I think it's a really interesting film. I enjoy the show. I, I'm, yeah. really, I'm really sad that... Um, it was Satoshi Kong's last feature film. Oh, oh really? Boom. So he died of uh, cancer, I think. Uh, well, at least we'll never like see Paprika 2. And like uh, Paprika 2, Electric yeah. Boogaloo. Paprika 2, nutmeg. Nutmeg. <laughs> Paprika 2, nutmeg. Right. Paprika 2, turmeric. Tumer? Paprika turmeric. Uh, his other films like Perfect Blue, Tokyo Godfathers, Millennium Actress, also very good. Like in terms oh, of yeah, like, that's their right. Tokyo Godfathers was one of the films playing on the marquee when the yep, those are all, the the, those like three films were on the marquee uh, toward the end of the film. Like you know when he was going to Silver and that's Central. another thing I like. I, I liked that. I don't I don't think I noticed like the first time I watched it was just like the emphasis on like movie watching and like mm-hmm. sort of like how it's having kind of like a dialogue like like dreams are movies and movies are dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, I love that they took a moment to explain why you have to have two characters when they're having a conversation in close-up have to be facing they the same way or it breaks line. the line. That, and then was, it ruins yeah, that it. was super awesome. I was like, oh, well, duh. Right. Duh. Yeah. It's one of those rules that when you think about it, you realize how obvious it is, but you don't come up with it on your own. Yeah. And it was just odd to have it show up in the middle of something unrelated to making about film. This is like a Tarantino kind of thing to do. A little bit, yeah. Well, Tarantino was very big into the new wave where it's like, you are watching a movie, and we're going to make that very obvious that this is a movie. 
that he's driving away from on obvious green screen. So. Yeah, he's not afraid to say that like you're watching a movie. Yeah. Well, very influenced by the new wave. Let's take a break and we'll talk about Inception. Right. And we're back. Hey. hey. Paprika is done. Now it's time for Inception. Let's talk about Inception. <laughs> All right. All right. You know, uh, you know, I can't decide whether or not I enjoy this movie <laughs> anymore. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, uh, so I, wa- I I saw it the first time, like, in theaters, right? When it came out, what, in 2011, 2012? 2010. Well, was it really that, that long, long ago? Wow. Yep. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Anyway, uh, I watched it before I went to London this past, just to see, like, to, like, remind myself what, like, what it was about, like, the beats of the film, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually really good, and then, like, watching it this last time, like, with you two, and I was like, I'm tired. (laughs) This movie makes me tired. Mm -hmm. Like, and just in terms of, like, um, especially towards the end, like, the last 30 minutes or so, I'm just like, oh, my God, let's go already. Come on. Like, well, you're watching four layers of people do stuff in slow motion and try to sync it up. I yeah, mean, it's just like, oh, God. If, if you've already been through three hours of movie, that can be rough. And, like, at the, at the same time, it's just like, okay, Christopher Nolan, I really respect all the stuff that you're trying to keep, like, afloat in this film. Like, you're doing a pretty good job trying to keep, like... Uh, all these layers, uh, all this, like, the little sound cues that, like, are supposed to be going on to, like, kind of... Like, yeah, exactly. That. Or, no, like, or, like, the, uh, what is the, what is the song that the, they use to... Oh, uh, yeah, Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. Yeah. Like, and, like, where that's supposed to specifically be timed and, like, all the cuts between everything. Like, uh, it's a complicated film. <laughs> That could have, like, used, like, 30 minutes of cutting. Like, uh, I just... Yeah. Is everybody familiar with Inception? Do I need to, like, explain it? I think that, I think that it falls within... I think it falls within popular well, culture mindset. Like, it, like yeah. Inception's it, a movie about an alien whose world is destroyed and he falls to Earth. He likes eating cats. In a land but, before time. Uh, it's about... It's about dream... It's about dream violators. Another m- film about dreams. Right. Basically. Yeah. And people oh, I see dreams. what the pairing was. Oh, you got it! Congratulations! Uh, I was wondering where you crosses the Good finish job. line. Yeah, they normally... They normally, like, uh, rip off ideas by doing, uh, dream violation, but they're <coughs> tasked these groups led by, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon, apparently everybody and their cat... Once Jordan day. Exposition Gordon Levitt. <laughs> Everybody That's their job. Is. Yeah, it's Joseph job. Dash Gordon Dash. Who doesn't want him to be their boyfriend Levitt? Right. And uh, I, I am, I am the knight. I am Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. That was yeah. We we had a solid thirty minutes of Tom Hardy as Bane. <laughs> Repeating yeah. his lines like, <laughs> I think Bane voice is the new Schwarzenegger voice. Bane voice. Here, hand me something random. I need to. No. Inception must be a they simple say, idea. They say you bring others with you when you begin therapy. I don't think you should be reading my friend's card like well, that. Well, then hand me something else. Um. So anyway, we've got we've got a great cast. Uh. It's and this this group is apparently. Plugging in, drugging themselves to plant corporate ideas. The bottom line is, it's a very dense movie. I think no one has ever thought it was not a dense movie. The jokes mm-hmm. now are like about the Hans Zimmer soundtrack, the Brom and the goats with their tails being pulled. 
Um, well, it's a great it's a great soundtrack. It's a great effect, which you can tell it's great because twelve <sighs> to fifteen big movies a year have been ripping off that one sound and putting it in their trailers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, very good. Hey, very remember good. Inception? You liked it, right? You should come see our movie. <laughs> so what? I think we should just replace it with a goat sound. That would be kind of. A, I'm awesome. reasonably sure he's making up the goat sound. So the the knock on wood absolute feeling I had from this movie was it. It, there was just some places they could have trimmed the shit out of it. Josh pointed out, Humpy well, pointed out. Well, Paprika does it in like an hour and a half. Yes. Like, Inception takes two and a half hours to do it. Like, and I guess that might be like sort of like an outgrowth of it being live action. Like, you have to like have a certain amount of time for like. Uh, certain things I, I can't really explain right. really any kind of like in depth well, about what that is because I'm only like thinking off the top of my head. Well, well I, I like in turn like it just it seems like you could do it a lot faster. Like you didn't need another layer almost. Well, I'm a I'm a very talky writer. Like that's definitely my biggest flaw as a writer is I'm good at explaining fucking everything, and you're all just gonna have to tell me what to cut. Uh, so I like Inception. I like it is very talky, and I don't really mind it. I think one of the big differences in um, in terms of talkiness is that, like, Paprika could have a, a parade of weird stuff. You know, the t- and they don't feel the need to explain what each thing is. No, they are. Like, right. it would be like if Inception had the subconscious people attacking and destroying and they didn't explain five times their projections. Of and, you know, the, the talky bits of Inception don't get me down, really. It's the action sequences that are just kind of there for them being action sequences. Really? Well, I mean, the kicks, I think the kicks were the ones that, like... Finally, something is happening. Yeah, but like uh, zero they, G fight they, the they're like, way. okay, so we have here's all right. In a nutshell, we have Leonardo DiCaprio leading Ellen Page through the rules. Which okay, so now we have the rules. Well, you have to establish that. I of think. course, but then he fucks up somehow, and then later on he fucks up Joseph, every how. But then Joseph Gordon-Levin has to go through and be like, here are the rules again, mm-hmm. and you're like. Alright, now, 45 minutes have taken place. So do you think that's, like, maybe, like, an outgrowth of, like, a studio exec being, like, hey, you got to explain this again for the audience. you got to make sure the audience knows it, what's it, going on. That's fine. It's a wash at this point, though. It's, like, you can either be, you can either be, like, apoplectically crazy and not provide any explanations and, like, provide fanboy fodder for years, or you can have this thing be, like, spoon-fed to your audiences and I mean, spoon-fed like, like, your name's Ariadne. Oh, did you know that Ariadne was the one that designed the maze that the Minotaur was found in? Did you know nobody has been named Ariadne in three thousand <laughs> <No>. years? <laughs> Instead of saying like, "Here, design a maze for me." Nope, that's not good enough. Nope, that's not good enough. Nope, that's not good enough. Nope. Well, I, nope. I think what would have helped. Nope. What would have helped with your double explanation is if they'd flipped it. Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt gave the the clean explanation, yes. like this is what's going on, and Leonardo DiCaprio's was the w- his explanation was the way of looking at him and realizing there's cracks in him. Yeah, like mm-hmm. his explanation has these flaws because his dead ex-wife keeps running by in the background, twirling her mustache and giggling. Oh, there, that's perfect. That's a perfect explanation. He's, I mean, that's 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 perfect because it's like you give you you see that there's errors and there's flaws in the Matrix. And then all of a sudden, like, here comes clean-cut third rock from the sun guy, who's like... My psyche is so boring, I'm completely clean. Yeah, oh, ha, ha, I'll tell you. But that's, that's drama. 
Mm-hmm. And this one, and I think I told you this. I'm like, I don't give a crap. The entire you talked about, a lot about like when we were watching this. You talked a lot about stakes. Like you um, don't know what the stakes were. There was none. There, I mean, when when you have like a fucking van that is just dangling in air and doing this, it's like I don't feel like my. I guts think. Are- his his children are meant to be the stakes, but like. He, but we don't care. We don't care. We don't care about them. Because really. I don't see him as a. As because a we are so layered in that like, kind of the mythology of the movie, we sort of forget them. Well, I, I maintain that and they become set dressing. That, they that his outstanding warrant and his children are the MacGuffin. I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. it's yes. total. It's oh, yeah. it's totally. pure Hitchcock. It's like, what do we have? We got this thing. Run! And the movie's about the running. It's not about finding the. And maybe this is where Christopher Nolan did jump the shark as a director, because and I'm hoping. That Interstellar uh, proves us wrong, but I think he 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 brings up. He's at least doing interesting, ambitious stuff, right? But I mean, with with this, it's like besides the stuff that there's no stakes. That you're right, like the kids. You got Leonardo DiCaprio crying about kids and did the, but I don't see him like loving them up. I see him like yelling at his wife across the building, who you pointed out like she went and she talked to three psychologists to prove that she was totes sane. And I'm like, and we're <laughs> Which like, is at least what sane person points. goes to three psychologists what? to determine? I that still maintain sane. what sane person goes to one psychiatrist and says, "Hey, can I have a sanity certificate? <laughs> I just kind of want one." My friends, my total friends, who who are much brighter than me when talking about this stuff, and I'm I, and I'm with them on this. And it's just like, okay, so she's knocking futz, she jumps, he he's he's crying, and he goes, and he's got to skip town for a while. I am whenever I am, whenever she is on screen though like I am immediately interested like her and Leonardo DiCaprio like their kind of like dynamic that is the emotional core of the film nothing about her dynamic makes uh, between their dynamic makes me interested it is all about Marion Cotillard's total screen presence at that mm. point she does me. have a lot of screen presence her, yeah. her, she's yeah. able to draw and but uh, and I, this is a good this is a good point I'm revisiting this from seeing it in the theater from seeing the AMC Rosedale big brawl loud noises and like actually covering my ears I remember nothing about this movie except like a few superficial moments like uh, you don't you know don't pretend to like dream a little bit you know larger dear and like mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's yeah. you know charismatic the, the twisting city the twisty city the, the top um you know, Tom Hardy's character, like, I don't think could, like, he could just get, they could get, just get rid of him, and I, like, wouldn't care one way or the other. True. That's true. Like, he just, he just seems like a non-entity, like, a lot of the time. It's like they built production. a team, they built a team to say, every one of these people are important on this team. And I still didn't give a shit about it. But this that. is the second time you watched it, right? Yes. So the second time I watched it, like, a, a couple, like, a month and a half ago or so, I right. was like, Cotillia Hard, she's omnipresent throughout this film she's just everywhere and I don't remember her from and that. I didn't I didn't remember that like mm-hmm. from the first time I'd watched it like to me like she came in like toward the end of the film when she they was, were like, back sort in, of a revelation when they the were end. in her their world the yeah. old world yeah. that he yeah. the, the boy he, sure, he boy. sort of went down and then they found her yeah, yeah but yeah, like yeah. she's remember, actually present throughout the whole damn show I only remember people. three big moments I remember her being at the beginning because it was who's that mm-hmm. and then halfway through oh that's who that is and then the end is there she is again. I forgot she was in dozens of little moments. But she's there all yeah. like the whole time. And I really like that about the film, that she is like always there, like sort of like in the background or representing sort of like, like influencing DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. And like Dica- in like DiCaprio, like you can like I don't think he to me he's not like 
the best actor in the world. Like I, I, I think he's kind of like a blank no, that's slate. Yul Brenner. Yeah, Yul Brenner is the best actor in the world. Right, definitely. I know you. Meshach oh, yeah. Taylor is the best actor. Meshach Taylor. <laughs> Rest in peace, Meshach. <laughs> because I think, uh, but I do think he's good in this, like mm-hmm. DiCaprio. Oh, and I, I, I stand by this. I think DiCaprio. Um, like none of the actors I have a problem with in this film. Like, no, I, I have, are good. I have my favorite. My favorite DiCaprios are are uh, Gilbert Grape, and uh, he is fantastic in The Departed, which I'm hoping to eventually get in a double bill. He's fantastic. Fantastic in the Wolf of Wall Street. It's kind of gross. Actually, I feel bad for myself. But yeah, the Departed. Yeah, I can imagine him being gross in the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and in this, and in this one, he's 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 good. His his charm, his 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 stresses. But at the I mean, well, he plays broken very well. I think like but, he looks like he's damaged. He does. Mm-hmm. But then there's also parts I think why this movie becomes a, a laughable meme because he's really. Acting, he's really schmacting in this movie. Yeah, this movie, uh, for better or worse, uh, is sort of affected by the pop culture kind of zeitgeist around yeah. it. Like it's, I mean, it's been pummeled by. I mean, like it was so popular, you know, it, it made a lot of money, and then you know yep. you have that. It makes um, film makes a lot of money, and then it has that backlash against it that like everybody just sort of like finds the little things that they decide to harp on. But the thing I feel like is that. Everybody else in this movie brings this like strange natural charisma, and at the top of the movie is where his natural charisma is the most evident, where he's like selling himself, and like in mm-hmm. and you don't know. Spoiler alert: that they're in a dream already, and they've a got dream this, within a, a dream, dream within a dream already. with these like like Lucas Haas, and you're like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and we're like, wow. This is what we're going to fucking get right now. We're going to get these guys who are kind of nobody TV actors who are going to be great. And then from then on out, it's him trying a lot, being a lunch lady. You know, just like, <laughs> well, you know, like, like, what do you want? Like, I, Ariadne, write me, a, write me a poem. You know, just, he doesn't do anything that, like, really, he doesn't, like, there's nothing there that makes me go, like, oh, my God, he misses his wife. You know, like, I, there's nothing that emotionally pushed me. Like, he wants his kids back. Like, the whole, even the whole bait that, that Ken Watanabe gives him. Is That's like, because you don't, you don't ever see those kids with him until the end of the film. Right. Like, they're always separate from him. And like, they're always, like, something that he has to attain. Symbolism. Right, but I don't need, I don't need. Yeah, but the problem with that is, like, you have no connection to those kids. Right, yeah, that, that's, that can be tricky. I have no, I have no, I don't need... Uh, a closure, a tight closure. I don't need a love interest. I need something to make me give a shit about this protagonist and his whole like. You're gonna get uh, a completely free, you know, free pass, pass jail, pass go. You can go home. And I mean, there's uh, money. Is there anything it can't buy? Right, but you know, fuck. Even a movie like Old Brother, Where Art Thou, where where George Clooney was one of his first movies, where he was just like, he goes, "Don't you get it?" He goes, I have nothing else, but I just need to go see my family again. And there's an earnestness there. And there's nothing with Leonardo DiCaprio because he seems to have a pretty tight-ass deal. It's like, oh, it's like, well, part of him would be like, I want to go home to my kids. And the other part is like, you are jet-setting on one nation that isn't a piece of shit. <laughs> I was, I was just going to say that. Like, you're jet-setting all over the world. What's wrong with your life? Right, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, well, I'm getting this I'm hinge. sad in this first class. I'm sorry you're getting a massage in first class. He's in Mumbai. He's in Paris. He yeah. I'm not in, in first class. Wherever. It's a private plane. It's this all is, one class. Listen, is this a happy ending massage in Dubai? Really, I'm helping the infrastructure. Got so it. Mumbai isn't a nice place. Dubai. Mumbai. Dubai is unfinished. Mumbai. Mumbai is not Mumbai. Mumbasa. Mumbasa. What? Mumbai is not fantastic. What? What are we talking about? Anywho. Anywho. So, um, yeah. I think it was a good pairing. I, uh, let's I don't know. Say, I, I, don't, let's, I don't know. I'd like to... Go ahead. Go I got ahead. my defensive inception, because it, this is only the second time I've watched it. I didn't watch it six weeks ago. But I still really Ooh. enjoy it. Um, I've forgotten it had been 2010 when it came out, but I saw it in theaters initially, towards the end of its first run, and then again now, and I think it holds up. And I rewatched it. Um, part of what was in my mind this time was for refreshing my brain, and part of it was going through all the totem theories that I've heard since it came out, since everybody's got a goddamn theory on that top at the end. That totem. And I've, I've got a proven theory now in my head that he's still dreaming and it's got nothing to do with the top, so there. But you saw the kids' faces. Exactly. How long has he been away from home? Those kids haven't aged a day. He Unless he's been gone for three weeks, those kids would have shown a little bit of growth. Right, but, you know, the, the growth is in his mind. Exactly, and they, he was able to let go of his wife. But and his re-embrace his kids, it doesn't mean he woke up. How many weeks was I'm the... I'm not going to get into the circle jerking of whether this is a dream or not. So, so this is just going to be a line jerk? Yeah, go for I it. I moved go away from it. the South to this get away all from your, this. This is all your bag. I'm not going to get involved with this, like, in terms of, like... No, I, I guess I, what I, how, just, how All right, fine. All I need is a clarification. How long were he and uh, Sophie Marceau under the influence of drugs and sleeping and for 50 years? A couple hours. Because they were down a lot of yeah, layers, I think it's a couple and it's hours. exponentially bigger. Okay, so it was basically so like what do they say? Five minutes is an hour. Hour, and then like another like what? Five minutes is ten years. Well, it, it's exponential. Five minutes is an hour, and each five minutes of that hour is an hour. No, no, no. But, da, da, but the further da, 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 down da. you go, like you know, if you're on the third level, it's ten years, right? Well, it's mul- multiplicative. If it's doubled, it's like 2, 4, 8, 16, 32. It, it moves fast. Okay, so bas- the bottom so line it, is So it's 12 that- times if All it's right. 5 minutes to an hour. So to prevent my my mind of saying they had bed sores, they were taking basically what's essentially a prolonged nap on the hardwood floor on their tasteful uh, Cost World Plus Oriental <laughs> knockoff sofa uh, sleeper. So they're down for the count for a while. For a couple of hours, and the kids might not be, and maybe she lost her shit. Maybe she did. Mm-hmm. And maybe in that short of time, uh, she was singing La Vie en Rose, lost weight, gained weight, went down to the southwest to recover from her consumption, and then was on a windowsill. You lost me at that point. All right, went on a windowsill and jumped off and said, oh, by the way, I, I'm psychologically free of any insanity based on three people. And he's I'm like, no, sane. I'm sane. Certificates flying right. I don't know. I think I think the kids. I think he's he's out. He's done. The kids. He saw their face Uh, outside of like we talked about, like seeing like a big hole with like teeth. I would have loved that. I know. I said I wouldn't get involved in this circle jerk, but I think he wakes up at the fucking end. Yeah, I think he's up. Now it's a triangle jerk. No, he's awake. He's totes awake. But man. I can, like, because I think, like, at that final shot, like, Christopher Nolan is just trying to, like, you know, I'm trying to have it both ways. Yeah, he's Screw flick- you, audience. He's flicking, yeah. he's flicking at you at that point with yeah. the right. water. Right, like, he's just trying to tweak your nose. Yeah. Like, you know, just decide what you want it to be, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. And at that point, I think yeah. the studios are probably like, 
Chris, we're 250 million into this. Uh, can we just wrap it up and maybe make a bow on it? Did it really cost 250 million, or are you just pulling that out of your ass? No, it's 250 million. It's probably. Yeah, I, I can believe it. Like it's an amazing looking film. Well, like, most of that was Pete Postal Wait's salary. <laughs> He's a heavy hitter. Been in sitting Hollywood. on a bed and dying. He was. Uh, R.I.P. Oh, oh I feel bad now. Great actor. I agree with you though. Like, like the second time I watched this, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a good movie." And like this last time I watched it though, I was like, "Oh, it, it was probably too tired. soon after the last mm, one." Yeah, yeah dude, I, I was just like because mm, it is a see, lot of movies. It's like watching The Godfather. I didn't feel every that day, way with that, I didn't feel like that way with Paprika. I was like watching it again. I was like, "Oh, this is this is holding up pretty well." But that might be just because it's an hour and a half and it doesn't and, you, it doesn't and it went stay first as tonight. So yeah, I went first would, tonight. Let's uh, take another little small break. We'll compare the two just to see what she did it better. See. We'll end this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Hey. We're gonna, we're gonna compare Hello. these things directly. Let's let's talk about that. How does Paprika inform Inception? How does Inception inform Paprika? I have my own opinions, but I'll let you boys go first. I think Christopher Nolan is a rip-off artist. Do you think so? I do. There's I think... definitely some evidence that he was influenced by Satoshi Kon in this film, in he, particular. He admits as much. Mm-hmm. In interviews, he admits as much. See, he... it's the fact that he admits it that makes me think it's not rip-off, it's influence. Because if he was hiding it, that's plagiarism. And it's not even... It... All right, finish, and then I'll talk. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Hey. Isn't that the term? Picasso is that? Oh, I'm. Well, somebody. Shakespeare. Like I mean, Wait, he but shall... he, no, I'm just saying, who said that? Like, I'm pretty sure Shakespeare. No didn't, well, if he did say it, it would have had some. But Shakespeare stole from plenty of sources. He wrote two original plays. Yeah. I guys, I don't give an edge of tomorrow. Who said it? I'm just saying that it's. He clearly borrowed and he cleaned up and he has a budget. It's Christopher Nolan. He can do all this stuff with folding cities. Um, but Paprika in itself is an adaptation of a Japanese novel. True. But we're also looking at like a cartoon versus a straight-up movie. A straight-up Hollywood blockbuster-style movie. And Nolan is now doing blockbusters. He's not doing sensitive little memento pieces. He's doing like folding... I, I have to make... I, it's really important to impress the folding city piece on it. Because Paprika, I think, had an intimacy about it, even though they had repetitive pieces. And I think they both have fantastic stories to tell, but I do think that Christopher Nolan stole a fuck ton for Paprika, and yeah, that's... See, well, they're only separated by, like, four years, so I can see where, like, they were influencing each other. Yeah. Well, I would I would disagree that he stole a bunch, because I, I think part of what makes me say that is I've read about a very delightful Donald Duck comic. Right. That is pretty much the plot of Inception. And I, I forgot about this, yes. Thank yeah. you, Crack.com. And so, right... And there have been other stories about going into dreams, going into the subconscious, trying to change people's minds in a very literal brick-and-mortar way. Freddy Krueger, hello. Right. Oh, that would be interesting, yeah. But there's a, there are a lot of similarities between the two, and I could definitely see where there's direct lifts and uses of technology, but the plots themselves are very different. What, mm-hmm. what it reminds me of is um, I just a few days ago rewatched the MST3K version of Future War, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, Future War. Do you know it? Mm-mm. All right, Future War. It's a very obvious Terminator ripoff. 
Like a, a sure. guy comes back in time to escape the cyborgs from the future who hunt him with mini T-Rexes. Wow. It's Robert Zadar's in it. Robert Zadar. Awesome. Yeah. He plays a cyborg. So it it's ridiculous. It's very well mocked by the MST3K crew, crew. But it's a very obvious Terminator ripoff where a lot of other films that have come out since Terminator that are about fighting the machines that are taking over the world, fighting the AI that's taking over the world might have lifts and references to Terminator, but not be a direct plagiarism of it, not be trying to ride its coattails. Mm -hmm. It's just going to have similarities because this is part of the culture now. This is the way we fight robots in our head. If Christopher Nolan saw Paprika, which it sure the hell sounds like he did, he's going to have a fascination with it. It might have spurred, spurred his idea. He might have taken some stuff from it because it felt the right way to do it. But he did a very different film. It's not the same plot line even remotely. It's, it's more, Paprika is more the cell than it is uh, Inception because it's, yep. it's about trying to escape from a, an evil that's in the dream world. Whereas Inception's about trying to get this goal in the dream world, and there's all the mm. obstacles in the way. Right. Uh, Paprika has this universal consequence thing of whatever the subconscious is they're doing. The themes Inception's are, very personal. The themes are incredibly different. I mean, like mm -hmm. like you said, Paprika is very similar to The Cell, very similar to Dreamscape uh, in terms of like navigating the dream landscape to change outcomes, to help outcomes, to, you know... It, and, <laughs> and then... You've got, you've got Inception, which is willful manipulation of people's brains to help the highest bidder. You know what I mean? Like, so mm -hmm. we are corporate espionage, like stealing ideas. But then, well, what the hell does Saito even want, really? Right. He wants. He's like, I want you to break up the conglomerate. Well, is that a good thing? This doesn't feel like. Yeah, it pretty, doesn't really feel like a. Good it's not like thing, Pretty Woman, se. where like at the end he's like, "We're gonna build boats, big boats." You know, it's like, no, this is not Saito's goal. He wants to have him break up his asshole dad's conglomerate. His dad, right. who was like, he wants to his lose last his words were disappointment. Something. Oh, what disappointment? What a dickhead dad! If I was a kid, I'd be like, well, we don't know what else he muttered. Maybe sorry he died without seeing the Cubs win another World Series. Which he probably lived his entire life without seeing the Cubs win a World Series. He probably did. Or not seeing, you know, World Cup soccer action. So. That was important to Pete Pasta White. Right. It was. Well, he so. did live his whole life. I mean, he died in 2011. He was 60-something. He, he lived his whole life without a Cubs win victory. You know what's happened since the last time the Cubs won a World Series? No, no. Heavier no. than air flight. <laughs> the theory of relativity. The birth of Vincent Price. It's Brian, been a long time. Brian Watson Jones just turned into a BuzzFeed article. That was funny. That was good. I appreciated that. Because deep tired. down in my heart, I appreciated we're that. We're tired. Good. So in terms of like uh, these two films, I like how sort of like Paprika sets up that the DC mini is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that like mini fig. Like, the, the end of the film is like, hey, this thing has, like, real-world ramifications. Maybe we should dial back this technology a bit. <laughs> and Maybe sort we of should like, have programmed in the security before yeah. we programmed in the feature. And, like, you know, it seems like uh, in Inception there's, like, a clunkier version of it that uh, sort of has, like, safeguards in it. So, like, you know, dreams and reality don't merge. So I like that, like, uh, Paprika sets up, like, a universe and, like... Inception sort of like riffs on like right, what's right. going on. Uh, 
that's what I like about this pairing. Like, whether or not, like, Nolan stole, like, I don't know, themes and, like, different things. Uh, obviously, he was influenced, but, like... <laughs> oh, no, and if he did. Oh, no, you know, he, he made a... <laughs> you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't care that much. Like, I mean, like, there's, sure, so, there's so much recycling anyway. Right. Uh, and he's pretty, like, you know, like, hey, this movie has influenced me, which means people will go back and say, hey, Paprika, let's right. go watch that movie. Well, I, I mean, I'm a playwright, and the most successful thing I ever wrote was Bard Fiction, which is very, it's Pulp Fiction done Shakespeare mm-hmm. style. It's right. very, it's it's obvious. It's way more direct than this is, but we're upfront and honest about it, and it's, I feel like that at least morally covers us. Like, we're not trying to get away with anything. And it's okay, because Christopher Nolan, uh, in, his, in his experience, has directed three wildly original works uh, detailing a life of a man called the Batman. And what movies were these? These are <laughs> these are movies about a man who dresses up as a bat. And original. It's super original. Oh. Does he have like <sighs> mental issues? Or? He he might have mental issues. He is he is a man who dresses as a bat and punches people in the Is he physically head. damaged oh, wow. at all by that ordeal? I don't know if that happens. I know that Wait, it, wait, wait he he beats people up? Does he go to jail or something? No. Huh. So he's like vigilante justice. I wouldn't go that far. If I was his attorney, I'd be like, I can't speculate on that at this time. Well, whatever he, you know, he puts I would, whatever I would, evidence he collects. I would as long my, as he's not ha- like an agent of the state. I mean, that that's all you know. I would, I would twist admissible my evidence. I would twist my mustache and be like, hmm, yeah, like this, like this. <laughs> I think you had some really good choices. I enjoyed Paprika. Thank you very I'm much. I'm glad you both enjoyed them. Like, uh, Inception got to be a slog for me this time around. It was that, long. It That's was all. So, it's such a long movie. It felt like it could have had some... Just, uh, uh, just. I feel like because we're in the middle of the French Festival and uh, in the middle of a show that has been workshopped and run, mm-hmm. and now that we're, like, you know, and you guys both as actors know this, when you're up on stage doing things... Um, and you're like, had the timer out, and you're like, okay, how is that run? It's an hour four. Oh, it's friends. Yeah, we gotta so cut we, we six or so minutes shave, from shave, this. Shave. Yeah. It's like, Ugh. what, what, who kept these $200 million motherfuckers from just sitting down there with a straight razor and just like, just shaving bits and pieces off? The places where it really did slog, where it, it, it wasn't, it was never gratuitous, but it just felt long. And I think that. Christopher Nolan has proven himself to be a really tight filmmaker, but then again, everybody gets compared to George Lucas in 1977, like, in telling a tight, lean story. I definitely, I I think he is a tight filmmaker, but I think you could cut, like, the Mumbai, like, fight, run through the streets. Mm. Uh, I don't think I am proving myself to Yeah, I don't think that's necessary at all. I think you could cut half of the That would have been nice, because it would lose one of the big uh, loose ends at the end of the movie, which is, oh, great, he's been saved, the warrant's off, and isn't there still a giant engineering conglomerate that has a hit out on him? Yeah. Couldn't it's that just be like, concerning that now that he's gone home to his house he owns and is in his name? It's just kind of, it's just kind of a sequence that doesn't belong there. It's there to been, keep the audience like kind of like, ooh, an action sequence. Guns. And, and on, the, on, the end, on the end of I, I could direct it better, blah. But like, the wife could have been kept a total fucking like mystery. She either could have been kept a mystery throughout or it could have been a reveal. Like, bits of it could have popped out. Like, oh, that's his wife. His wife? What's his wife? Oh, he loved her very much. Oh, oh, he loved her very much. Oh, um, tell me about, did you, you know, how, they told me your wife died. She did. 
you know, is she, was she was she mean? Was she awful? No, she was very sweet. But then why is this malevolent presence going on and everybody's talking contrary and then we get a payoff at the end. Instead, we have to have the fucking arc that like drops along like molasses in the winter uphill. It just mm-hmm. cut. It takes cut. a while. Yeah. Slow it down a little bit. We could have probably been home by at least like 8.15. Whereas Paprika is much more like, hey, we have an hour and a half. This is what you're getting. Goodbye. <laughs> we know we know what's going on. I like, and I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed both of them. Good job. And it has great character development, actually. Like in terms of like uh, Konakawa, like in terms of like his whole arc throughout that true, whole film. True, true, true. Mm. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. Just like in terms of really like, interesting story told yeah, with him. Like yeah. and like pretty seamless, like actually in terms of that whole film. And like you know like Atsuka and like her kind of like uh, relationship with uh, Tokita. Uh, and that, like, I mean, that's just sort of, like, revealed sort of, like, very effortlessly throughout the whole, like, film. It's kind of, like, interesting. There's a couple things, like, I mean, it's not a perfect film either. But what about the rest of it? But what about the rest of it? Well, then all the rest of it is sweat. Japanese animation, they have to really show... You got hung up on that sweat. Tension. Oh, come on. It's like, if they were tense, which everybody was, it was sweat the size of... of sweat going down the face. <laughs> I have a shot glass of sweat. And like I said before, I think it's like in terms of... It's just... It, human, it humanizes them a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it puts them a, into, it gives, gives them a sense some of real, environment. Reality, and, yeah. I, I have to say, I've watched a fair amount of anime, and the only thing that's ever really bothered me in the emotional expression is nervousness. Giant, exaggerated, eyeball-sized bead of sweat Oh, yeah, on yeah, I get those like face. real stylistic... It, it didn't stuff. have this. This was honest sweat. It, it didn't do... <laughs> blink... Sort of sweat. Honest sweat. What? Honest sweat of a hard day's labor. Mm. Or hard hard days remembering unpleasant memories and worrying about stuff. Doing laundry. Yeah. That is Paprika in Inception, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Fringe Festival is coming up here in the Twin Cities area. Brian and Mikey are involved in shows, and I will let them talk about them Mm -hmm. at their leisure, which is now. At my leisure. Now, at your leisure. At, right now. Uh, uh, so, I am a producer this year. I am, for the third year running, uh, producing a show called Fringe Orphans, which the conceit of it is uh, I have gathered together makers of stage and, well, just stage, not film, um, <laughs> to create scenes which hopefully have been stewing in the back of their heads, scenes which would make fantastic five-minute shows but terrible one-hour shows. Uh, this year we've got annoying noises and buses and a DC character and a Marvel character and autobiographical uh, monologue and racial politics and just all sorts of other things. Is um, Tim Mooney here this year? Uh, he is, but he's not involved in Fringe Orphans. Okay. He's, he was too busy in the run-up. So our autobiographical speaker this year is Ariel Leaf. Ah, yes, she told me the other day that she was going to do something. Yes. So she is doing something. Many people are doing things. It's it's going to be an interesting hodgepodge, as always, but I'm very much looking forward to putting it together, uh, which I pretty much have to do in four days, because that's when our tech is. Oh, right. Shit. Right? <sighs> and Mr. Postle, what are you doing? I am uh, I am performing an Unfold the Sky Productions' uh, The Tiger in the Room. Uh, I'm doing a play with, uh, it was written by Sharon DeMarc, it's directed by Nicole Wilder. Um, the, uh, the, these are the same people that produced a play in 2011 at Theater Around called Knit One Pearl the Other, the Pearl, Knit One Pearl the Other that I was a part of. Uh, yes, I really enjoyed that. Which was fantastic. Uh, we will be performing 
at the Illusion, Illusion Theater, Theater Saturday. Saturday. Um, August 2nd, we open at 7 p.m. Monday, August 4th at 5.30. Tuesday, 7 p.m. Friday, 4 p.m. And Saturday, August 9th at 8.30. Uh, Alyssa starring Actors Equity own Natalie Ray Wass. I saw that. In addition to Crystal Kohler, Kevin McLaughlin, uh, Alyssa Perro, and William P. Studer, including myself. It's actually a pretty straightforward play um, about psychology. It's really, really fun. Natalie is really bringing her game. Everybody in the cast is fantastic to work with. Um, also, I'd like to add that uh, on a, on a kind of like a pat on the back note, we are third now as of yesterday. We are now third place in terms of pre-sold tickets. Oh, wow. This oh. year at the uh, Fringe Festival for shows that are not Fringe, fringe Orphans, <laughs> shows can get pre-sold until they're sold out. They used to hold 30% oh, of tickets. Hmm. 30% of tickets they used to withhold for people who were just coming up for walk-ups. No more. No more, huh? So I uh, had yeah, to purchase tickets. I'm not tickets. sure why they switched that up. We'll see how it works. Yeah. Had well, we have a new director this year. We do. I had to purchase tickets for the SO and for mom and her friends. So uh, please go to the Fringe Festival website. At the very least, make sure you get out there on the 31st when the Fringe Festival opens. Grab your buttons and start putting your Fringe list together and get in line early because they could fix to sell out if you want to see something. But if it's a show that you wanted to see but you missed it, please, with 100 plus shows that are going on, do not hesitate to see something new. It's really important that you get past your boundaries, see something that might be off the beaten track, something that's out of your wheelhouse of love. Just mm -hmm. see a show. Support these shows. Because yeah, I know. This is the time of year I always see dance shows. I yeah. rarely catch them mid-year, but true, I, yes. I always like I to clean my palate with something interesting and different my normal you, style. You might find yourself moved. And I think that just... In, and I hate to like use this as a bully pulpit, but really get out there and see stuff. See a fight show. See a dance show. See a, a spoken word piece. Don't just go for the, the the ones that are like the tried and true because you really want to see something that's good. You've got a ton of theater to see and a ton of spaces to go to. So plan maybe maybe plan your things geographically. Go in the uptown area or go to the seven corners area or go downtown. But just do it, be safe, support it and get your tickets and wait in line and enjoy the experience that a lot of people are turning and oh, holy crap, do you guys hear that we might have a winter fringe? No, I did. Really? I, I did hear that. Oh, show yeah, us. Yeah, we have uh, we have a, apparently a fellowship, some money that's coming in. Huh. I did hear that. They're trying to. There's rumblings. There are rumblings in the tummy regarding the a tumblings. winter fringe, you know, because it's incredibly, and I'm probably gonna get skewered for saying this. I don't give a fuck. Uh, because Beep. in the in the middle of the winter time, I don't I don't give a escape uh, from tomorrow, but. It's really a good idea to go to downtown St. Paul in the dead ass of winter when we're having snow emergencies and trying to find our way into the Lowry. Like, and they're like, I'm sorry, it was 20 minutes, but there was a snow emergency, and sorry, you can't sit down. Yeah, I've done shows that were snowed out in downtown St. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of part of the promotion that's going on. Take a green line. It's like, okay. Mm. Let's Ryan, Ryan, did you have uh, show dates that you would yeah, like to I say? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so Since sorry. Since he completely showed me up with, with actual me up, me up, me up, me up. I'm going to throw out that the full title of my show is Fringe Orphans 3, The Legend of Orphans Gold. Uh, the <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it'll be happening at Theater in the Round. 
Saturday, 8-2 at 4 p.m., Sunday, 8-3 at 8.30 p.m., Tuesday, 8-5 at 10 p.m., Friday, 8-8 at 7 p.m., Saturday, 8-9 at 2.30 p.m. And the people involved... Amber Bjork, San Sabrina Candreva, Kyler Chase, Zach Delventhal, Zit, Rachel Finch, Christina Fellman, uh, Dave Gangler, Missy Hildebrandt, Ben Lane, Ariel Leaf, skimming, skimming, John Leaf, Philip Lowe, Scott Moore, Brian O'Neill, Jenna Papke. Uh, some people have bios on here. It takes longer to get past. Victoria Pyan. Da, 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 Brianna Regan, Kisung Ri, Jesse Richards, Annie Scott Riley, Alyssa Shelato, Cody Stewart, Tim Uren, Duck Washington, me, and Jenna Young in alphabetical order. How about that? Yeah. You I'm pushed together quite the show. I'm that... hoping to get everybody in the last three shows. There's a couple of conflicts the first two, but I'm hoping that all of those people are going to fit in one hour for the last the three shows. Sounds of vegetables. The sound of food. The sound of food. Yes. Amber did put something together. It's not the sound of food. It's also very weird. So <laughs> I, I really look forward to seeing it. That That's is all I the got. podcast for today. Mm. Like us on Facebook. Share this on Twitter. Whatever other social media that floats your boat. Please Shout do. our name out the window of your house. If you like the music in the podcast, it happens to be by the inimitable Anna Wego, who couldn't join us tonight. We wanted to have her as a guest tonight. Yeah, but she we will be get in her in the future. She'll be in a friend show, the she will be. Sex Ed Show. That's right. Dirty Girls. Thank you. I'm glad you had that right off the top of your head. So go check those guys out. They're really fun <laughs> to listen to and dirty. Very dirty. Oh, so much fun. They threw a bunch of condoms during the Fringe preview, and it ended up hitting like the only group of like elementary school kids in the audience that raring. They like like their money shot was like condoms. And these kids were, like. <laughs> so they ejaculated into the audience and hit people. The condoms were right. in packages, right? They're used. Oh, how awkward! Wow, I'm surprised Dirty girls. they're all not in jail. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Anna Wagle, you can listen to more of her work at AnnaWagle.com. Also, if you guys are in the uptown or South Minneapolis area and you are jonesing for tacos, yes, we ordered from Taco Cat tonight. Tonight, yeah. that was delicious. That was delicious good. tacos from Taco Cat. Give them their business. Support small businesses. Mm-hmm. Get your taco fix on. The Stop. only taco delivery in which still the Twin astonishes Cities me that yeah. it only recently did somebody say, "Hey, let's have tacos that they just bring to you." They stepped up to do it. Yeah, I, you can't. I have gotten them from Bite Squad before, but mm-hmm. that's sort of indirect. Yeah, Seriously, guys, if you listen to this podcast and you've done nothing but wait till the very bitter end to see what we're talking about, get some fucking tacos to go. Stop sitting down. Put your fingers on your digits. Order yourself some delicious tacos. That got really dirty for a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Put your fingers on your digits. This, Put this, your fingers this, on this your ending taco. sequence oh. got really dirty. Oh, my. Chomp the taco. He's a dirty, dirty boy. Eat the taco. He needs some cleaning. Mm. Mm, All right, I'll yeah. get the... Until next time... Get the Double Bill sponge mop. Until next time, this has been Double Bill. Double Bill, Double Bill. Comparing culture, it's Double Bill. Putting two things together, it's Double Bill. It's Double Bill.